From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Owen Wolf is my technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. But please note, there's no live stream on YouTube tonight. The YouTube live stream will resume next week. Tonight, a remarkable story that would rival any Ian Fleming spy novel. The story of Ambassador Lee Wanta. A man who, according to this narrative, brought down the Soviet Union, ending the Cold War without firing a shot. After being appointed by President Ronald Reagan as a secret agent, Wanta engineered a series of complex financial transactions, including foreign currency swaps, which essentially bankrupted the Soviet Union. According to the plan, Wanta also accumulated tens of trillions of dollars through these transactions. And a portion of this money was to be used for the benefit of the American people, as we'll hear. However, a number of corrupt political figures have sought to prevent Wanta from fulfilling his mandate and have been attempting to get their hands on these trillions for their own personal gain. The ambassador is presently in a secret and secure location. He'll be joining the program in the second hour. This hour, we're joined by his official biographer, Lon Gibby of Gibby Media Group, And he's here to tell us some of the details and timeline of this story. And again, the man himself, the $33 trillion man, will join us in the second hour. Lon Gibby, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Great, Richard. Awesome to be with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. It has been a few years, and we may have some people listening not familiar with the uh, incredible story of Ambassador uh, Lee Wanta. So why don't you just sort of give us the thumbnail uh, sketch uh, about Admiral, about Ambassador Wanta uh, and how he became President Ronald Reagan's secret agent through the uh, the Toten Doctrine. Absolutely. Well, uh, his name is Ambassador Lee Wanta. He's known as Lee Wanta, sometimes Leo Emil Wanta. Uh, both names are applicable to him. Um Ambassador Wanta was a secret agent under President Ronald Reagan, uh, serving not as a spy, but as a secret agent under what is known as the Toten Doctrine. And the Toten Doctrine was initiated back at the time of Abraham Lincoln, uh, when a uh, he enlisted a man named Toten to do some special work behind conf- the Confederate lines which only a secret agent could do because as a private citizen and a secret agent, they were able to accomplish things that you wouldn't be able to do as a government employee. So I wanted to establish right off the bat that Ambassador Lee Wanted was not an employee of the United States government. He was a secret agent under the Toten Doctrine. Uh, doesn't mean that he wasn't under oath, uh, and also he took an oath and he has a mandate from President Reagan, but he was not considered an employee of the U.S. government. This is interesting. And and he was recruited yeah. during the Cold War, near the end of the Cold War, uh, to, together, I guess, or, or Lee on his own, hatched a scheme to bring down the Soviet Empire, what Reagan referred to as the evil empire. What? And it's kind of a complicated series of 
uh, currency swaps, etc. But just uh, kind of simplify it as best you yeah, can. Yeah, in, in a nutshell, basically the, the, the best way that Reagan could figure out how to to take down the Soviet Union was to financially take it down because they just kept buying more arms. The arms race was out of control. Uh, we were just just a, a button away from just annihilating the entire world with a nuclear war. And so the whole idea was, well, let's bankrupt this country, the, the evil empire, let's and take them down. And so with with Lee Wanta, he brought him in because um, Lee had some had some unique gifts or talents, whatever you want to call them. He was able to, uh, first of all, he has a photographic memory, ability to remember numbers. Uh, he also has mathematics. Uh, as, a, as an amazing understanding of that. But even more important than any of his gifts and talents is that he was somebody that President Reagan could trust, somebody that, 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 that Reagan could, would know that he could send into uh, this environment and he would do exactly as, as he was asked to do, and there was no surprises with Lee because he, he, he kept his, his mandate. So in a, in a nutshell, what they did is that they... Uh, were able to buy up rubles uh, at a reduced rate and then, of course, resell those rubles and generate income in the process. And so they pretty much, he got some seed money. Uh, this seed money was uh, through a credit mechanism that was established with China under uh, Deng, Deng Xiaoping uh, and President Reagan. That might surprise you that President Reagan was working directly with Zhang Xiaoping, and uh, it, there was a counterpart to Li in China. His name was Howie Kwok. And the two together worked hand-in-hand. Hand. And, and by the way, what you might ask yourself, well, why in the world would China be wanting to take down the Soviet Union? At the wow. time, a lot of people don't remember that the Soviet uh, Union was encroaching on China and causing a lot of problems there was a there was a, a a possibility of a big war breaking out between china and russia at any time right so the enemy of my not, enemy is my yeah. friend and so the united states yeah used that yeah, as yeah. as uh rationalizing why they would would hook up with the chinese exactly so uh, people don't understand that unless you go back in history because they would think oh gee uh, uh, china and russia have always been such great friends well, everybody forgets the china you know russian war or the past they forget about all the problems that they've had at their border skirmishes and all that. So in the context of that time period, it made total sense for President Reagan to join forces with with uh, China at that particular time. And that doesn't mean, you know, they, we embrace communism or any of that. It was just that it was a way of getting rid of the, of the evil empire, which incidentally isn't the Russian Federation, is, is the government that we call it now. It's completely different. It's not the Soviet Union. It's the Russian Federation. So, in a, anyway, getting back to that, to the story, how this happened, it was able to get about 150 billion in credit mechanism to be able to use a seed money to start uh, to affect, you know, the the absolute disintegration of the of the Soviet Union's financial system. And they did that by through ruble ruble exchanges. So he was, and, if uh, I understand it correctly, yeah. uh, Lon, uh, what Lee was doing. Well, I guess the the ruble was pegged at about a dollar twenty U.S. 
And, uh, but he was, but, but in, inside the Soviet Union, you couldn't buy anything because, you know, their That's economy correct. was a mess. So, so using that seed money, um, Ambassador Wanta was able to buy from people and organizations inside the Soviet Union, buy the rubles back for about 25, 26, 27 cents a ruble instead of a dollar 20. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing what they did. And, by the way, I, I'm serving as uh, Lee's communication director and as well as I helped him, uh, Gibby Media, my company, uh, in the United States. We, uh, we, uh, helped, uh, do some of the media work for Lee, including, uh, we, his biography. So we had the, we worked on this for about five years. So I've had a chance to look at a lot of the documents and then, and look, and of course spend lots of time with Lee. I still do on a regular basis. And I can tell you that, you know, the information, uh, behind it is, uh, is, is all factual. And people are pretty surprised to understand how this all happened. There's a lot of different versions and people have tried to take credit for it, but it was really President Reagan under his, with his secret agent, Ambassador Lee Wanta, who affected the, uh, removal of the Soviet Union or the destruction, whatever you want to call it, the takedown of the Soviet Union. And it was all done financially. Right. And then they that- couldn't, they couldn't even afford gas for their tanks at the, at the tail end and they couldn't even pay their people their soldiers had to walk off the job they did they didn't have any money so buying up all of these rubles you've got rubles leaving i guess the soviet union and this caused uh, uh the currency to collapse essentially it caused the currency to collapse and the, and the, you for example it, it, you'd have to have a truckload of rubles just to, just to be able to buy anything. I was in the Soviet Union in 1988 producing a documentary on uh, the food professionals uh, sharing food between our two countries. Uh, and in the when we were there, if you wanted to buy a VCR, for example, uh, a video tape, you know, a VHS VCR, uh, you would have had to have you know probably a, you know five thousand or ten thousand rubles. To even get even even to be able to purchase one, so everybody was trying to get a hold of U.S. currency at the time, because that was the only way that people could buy anything. It was hard, it was really hard to, to to buy anything outside of Russia, you know, out of, outside of the Soviet Union without uh, some other currency. And then Lon was using the proceeds from this currency swap, uh, you know, buying the rubles at uh, you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven cents. They're worth a, a dollar twenty, or they're pegged at a dollar twenty. Now, and then he's buying huge amounts of gold, correct? Uh, they were buying gold and also purchasing, you know, other, uh, you know, tangible property. It was all going to, you know, to assets, very uh, varying types. But gold, there was purchase of gold as well. So he's doing sort of two things simultaneously. He's destabilizing yeah. the ruble. Um, and uh, basically pulling the rug out from underneath the Soviet Union so they can no longer uh, keep up with the uh, with the United States in terms of uh, weapons procurement and so forth. Uh, and at the same time, he's amassing this unimaginable fortune, um, yeah. which would eventually, with interest, total, where are we at today? Something like $33 trillion it's now worth? Well, this is, you know, it's, it's at a 30, it's around 33 trillion. If you look at the, uh, at the value of that today, uh, it was, it, it's, but actually, uh, because of 
of all of all of the transactions that have been done, and the value of it has been listed in the World Bank is at forty four hundred and thirty three trillion. Four hundred and forty three trillion. All right, we'll come yeah. back to that in, in a moment. But back to the yeah. Cold War. Uh, and so, when Reagan made that famous speech at the Berlin Wall, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He already knew the Soviet Union was collapsing, right? Oh, absolutely. And that they knew that that was, that was happening as well as they also knew that Gorbachev himself was uh, very close to uh, being willing to step down, which was one of the key things that had to happen in order for the Soviet Union to collapse and the, and the Russian Federation to be launched, by the way, in which Lee is a signature on the, on the original uh, uh, general agreement of cooperation. We actually was a signer on that, that, uh, that certain things had to take place. Number one, Gorbachev had to step back and uh, go into retirement or just, you know, go start a, his own foundation or disappear. Well, that all happened because uh, Lee uh, gave, uh, negotiated, had to go in again as a totem doctrine uh, private citizen, not and a secret agent, not as a spy or anything. He was he got what the trust of the crown. He was able to go into the Kremlin, have a meeting with Gorbachev. Uh, in which case, Gore, he was uh, given the opportunity to say what he would like to step down, and he said ten billion dollars, and immediately uh, Lee said accepted, and that money was uh, immediately transferred into his account, and he stepped down. That happened. That's right. part of history that nobody knows about. And did did Gorbachev realize what had happened? That that it was uh, Ambassador Lee Wanta that had orchestrated the, the, these currency swaps and this financial dealings that collapsed the ruble. Well, I don't know if he knew all the details at the time. I can't answer that. Maybe Lee. That's a good question for Lee when he comes on later. Right. But I'm not certain if how much Gorbachev understood all of that. But I just knew that uh, he just. Um, was willing to step down because he knew that uh, the Soviet Union uh, had no future, that uh, that it was the evil empire. I mean, he 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 was he accepted that communism wasn't the route for the Russian people, and uh, this new Russian Federation is not the Soviet Union, by the way. A lot of which a lot of people want to make it into. Uh, it's the Russian Federation, but. Uh, yeah, apparently, Gorbachev felt that that was the best direction for the hit for the Ru- Russian people. Doesn't mean that he abandoned them uh, or left. I believe, and of course, he lives in Presidio. He lives in California, and he's you know has the foundation, and he's been doing work with with the right. money that he got. And after he's the, out there, after yeah. the, the the Iron Curtain fell and the Cold War was over, and the Soviet Union collapsed thanks to uh, to uh, Lee Wanta, did the did Lee then extend an olive branch to the new, newly formed Russian Federation in the form of some sort of aid to help them get their back, back oh, on absolutely. their feet. Absolutely, that's well. That's see, that's a really important point because what the general agreement of cooperation that was signed. And by the way, if, if you go to Eagle One to Wanta, uh, that's the website. We'll talk about that later. But they can actually read a draft of that agreement. Uh, but that's on that site. But anyway, that particular agreement said that uh, that the Russian Federation, a democratic type government, w- would be proceeding forward and that they would have the ability to, um, you know, sh- uh, sell goods to their neighbors. You know, they have the neighbors like Georgia and Uzbekistan and 
they have uh, the Ukraine uh, is, a, is a neighbor. It'd be like us, you know, selling to Canada, I think, the United States being able to continue to sell oil and gas to Canada. Uh, that, that was guaranteed in that agreement that they can do uh, business together. And, and plus, uh, there was what was called the Reagan-Mitterrand Protocol. And the Reagan-Mitterrand Protocol uh, assured that certain countries that helped take the Soviet Union down, because it took some cooperation between the French, uh, Canadians were even involved, uh, surprisingly. A lot of people don't know that, but the Canadians played a part in it. Uh, the English, uh, England, uh, and, of course, the Russian Federation itself was guaranteed uh, $50 billion of the Reagan-Mitterrand protocol money 50 billion and each country in france was guaranteed a certain amount and lee can tell you the exact amounts that are on that but but those countries were all to receive some funds out of out of the takedown and then um reagan was very smart and and of course lee is a private citizen so this is really his money a lot of people have tried to say well that belongs you know that just needs to be converted over to the corrupt Federal Reserve System, by the way, which is not federal and it's not a reserve and it's not a bank. And a lot of people think it's a real legitimate organization and that they should have that money. But this is private citizen money. So, but it was, it did have a mandate associated with it. And that mandate was that, that it was supposed to be spent on, on furthering our country. The, the Reagan Mineron Protocol money had to be paid. And then we would put, uh, Lee was willing to put this money, a big percentage of it, into paying his taxes, which would have taken out our our uh, any na- any debt which we had. Plus, he was to build a high-speed rail system, create tons of jobs, also to help with the student loan issues. Uh, you know, because that's been you know, there's a lot of people that have been caught in that trap. Sure, it's a huge get the, bubble. It's get a huge the banking bubble. system you know, figured out. Right. Probably help with the medical program. All kinds of good things could needed to be done with this money. So let me just recap. It wasn't, so if I could, yeah. uh, Lon Gibby is with us from Gibby Media. The documentary is called Eagle One Tawanta, and I believe you can still see trailers for that at eagleonetawanta.com. That's the website. Also... And that's, uh, spelled, that's spelled out, Richard, too. It's just Eagle One to want to spelled out. Right. In other words, Eagle One being the code word for the president. Eagle One to Wanta. Eagle One to Wanta.com. And the, um, also, Lon is the publisher and I guess editor of the, uh, the official authorized biography of Lee Wanta called Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat. And that book is just chock full of uh, documents. If all of this sounds too incredible to believe, uh, that book uh, contains uh, copies of, of uh, so many different documents, court documents, etc., which really validate everything that is that is being said here. So, as I've mentioned... Ben, ben, well, thank you. Thank you, Richard, for bringing that up. You know, the, the nice thing about that book, by the way, it's available on Amazon.com, iBooks, and also Barnes & Noble, but a hard copy is available at Gibby Media. But uh, it comes with a disc with all of those documents. We wanted to make sure that people could read them uh, for themselves. So if you don't have the digital copy, of course, it has the links to those documents. But the, the hard copy or the paperback copy has an actual disc with it that has all of those documents as uh, evidence 
that back up everything. Right, and it truly does. This story rivals uh, an Ian Fleming spy thriller. Uh, now, let me just recap. So, uh, Lee Wanta, uh, hired by President Reagan under the Toten uh, Doctrine to act as a secret agent, uh, and through a series of financial complex financial dealings uh, and currency swaps and purchasing gold and, and so forth, uh, brought down the Soviet Union. Just they were financially collapsed. Uh, essentially, they had to surrender, uh, and at the same time, amassed this incredible. Uh, a, a treasure in the in the uh, tens of trillions of dollars, although it's been valued as high as four hundred and north of four hundred thirty-three trillion dollars. Uh, that money, under the uh, the Reagan Mitterrand protocol, uh, was to be sort of repatriated, and then the taxes paid on that would amount to uh, well enough to pay off the the United States uh, debt. Uh, and then a portion of that would also to be was to be used uh, for massive infrastructure programs. We hear President Trump talking about infrastructure programs. This money would fund that. Perhaps it would have also funded the wall, uh, a high-speed train, uh, pay off the uh, the student loans, which is a huge uh, uh, a bubble debt bubble that's that's going to have could have a major impact on the U.S. economy. So that's where we're at so far. Now, we're going to take a time out yeah. here, and um, when we come back, we'll talk about where that money is and why it didn't get to the U.S. Treasury or wherever it was supposed to go. How did Lee essentially lose control of uh, those untold trillions of dollars? Lon Gibby from Gibby Media Group, my guest, and uh, a little bit later in the program. Uh, towards uh, the second hour of the show, we will uh, hear from the man himself who is in a uh, secret and secure location. Uh, he is listening in on this conversation and he will join us. Uh, we'll get it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Lon Gibby, who is the, uh, I guess, the communications uh, specialist for Ambassador Lee Wanta, and he is also uh, the head of Gibby Media Group and the publisher of the book Wanta, Black Swan, White Hats, and uh, also the uh, the documentary, which is called Eagle One to Wanta, EagleOneToWanta.com, the website. Uh, so, the Cold War ends. Lee is sitting on this uh, huge uh, treasure uh, uh, worth an estimated, well, by today's dollars again, around $33 trillion. So then what happens? What is he, is he at this point trying to get back into the country to repatriate uh, well, the money? That, that's a good question. One of the, well, the, one of the first things that happened, his counterpart, um, uh, Mr. Howie Kwok, uh, who Lee worked together with very closely to make this all happen. It was a team effort uh, to to be able to take down the Soviet Union with Chinese involvement because of, of uh, Howie Kwok, who was a member of the of the uh, top uh, warlord family. He was, you know, a, a very respected in China. Anyway, um, they had it. They got together with uh, H.W. President Bush at the time, and uh, was were told that all of their holdings should be. 
that uh, that they owed him a big chunk of that money. It, personally, it was not you know it wasn't like hey give me this. He wanted this to be go to him. And uh, when Howard, Howie Kwok heard that, he got upset and called him a name, which I won't repeat. <laughs> and uh, two days later, he was poisoned to death and uh, and, and died. So and then. Uh, so let me just make, make sure then, I understand this, yeah. Lon. So yeah. So Reagan serves out his second term. He steps yeah. down. An election. George Herbert Walker Bush. That's Bush forty-one. Poppy Bush is elected. And uh, defeats um, the Democratic candidate Michael Dukakis, uh, and right. he he demands a cut. For what reason? What was his rationale? Well, Why you got to re- he- remember that H. Um, uh, w. Bush, and again, um, we can speak more to this than probably I can, but I could just tell you that he was real name was Sherp. He his family uh, Prescott Bush was in, was involved with helping to fund the Nazis and were involved in yes. some financial dealings uh, in the past. You probably talked about that before on yes, the show. So that's nothing that's nothing new. But what is new is that uh, as president of the United States, he he personally was interested in getting control of this money not so much to help our country, but he wanted personally to remember he was involved with the CIA. And the CIA um well, more and more people are starting to understand that the part of the CIA obviously uh, is a, almost like a criminal organization, and they fund themselves, and they do lots of things in other countries that, that not, we would, as Americans, citizens, wouldn't agree to. Right. But they do. So, so with his involvement and all the things he was doing, um, he felt that a big chunk of, the, of their money that Lee and Howie Kwok had amassed from this, from this should go to him personally. And when refused it, uh, then Harry Kwok was eliminated, and then uh, Ambassador Lee Wanta was rushed to out of the, out of that country, and actually went to Toronto. And a lot of people don't know this, but Dan Quayle, uh, Vice President at the time, was responsible for saving Lee's life. Moved him to Toronto, where he lived for over almost a year and a half in the Toronto area. Hmm. Uh, in a, in a, under special protection. And so, uh, Lee has a, a love for the Canadian people, um, you know, cause he w- was there for a year and a half. And, uh, when he, uh, when it looked like things can move forward, uh, with, with the funding, he went to Switzerland. Um, kind of the, the Clinton family was reaching out, trying to get, um, uh, Lee's, they knew about Lee's money, of course, and, and we know today that the Clintons and the Bushes are pretty much the same. You know, they work together. But, uh, at the time, you know, the Clintons, uh, had a foundation, uh, and they had within their foundation, they still have that foundation, but there's, it was called the Children's Defense Fund. And so, um, uh, they, uh, uh, a lady named, uh, Vimir at the White House contacted Lee and asked that he go and meet with um, Vince Foster in Switzerland, where Lee, because Lee's a philanthropist, he heard, you know, he, he had a lot of money, so he figured, well, I'll donate some money to the Clinton Foundation, to the Children's Defense Fund. So he uh, went to Switzerland. Um, he was doing business there as well, you know, on other, other business transactions, but he went there specifically to meet with Vince Foster and... Uh, 
man on his way from his hotel to meet with Vince Foster at the hotel was and he was arrested. Uh, and but the but the two hundred and fifty million dollars that he donated to the Children's Defense Fund was couriered to the hotel where Vince Foster was, and that did arrive in and and was taken back to Washington D.C. with Vince Foster. In other words, Vince, we Vince that, Foster was a yeah. bag man for the Clintons, although he may not have known that that money. I'm guessing that money never made it to the children. Well, it never went anywhere that we know of, and there's there's been no uh, accounting of that money. Right. Uh, nobody's accounted for it. And of course, Vince Foster allegedly committed suicide. Um, uh, probably, I think it was ten days later by shooting himself twice in the head, which is kind the, of an interesting in the back of the way head. to do it. But, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, so Lee uh, was arrested. His briefcase that he had in his hand at the time contained sixteen billion in U.S. Treasury notes because Lee traveled with a lot of you know he traveled with with uh, different financial mechanisms with him in his briefcase, and he also had his medal that he got from President Reagan, who uh, he had saved his life from an assassination attempt, which a lot of people don't know about. There were a number of assassination attempts, not to the one that almost succeeded, but one that the public doesn't know about, which we're going to be talking about in our new documentary, where Lee helped. Uh... Anyway, he had a medal in there, and he had a lot of his personal notes and all of his business papers and all that. They took his briefcase away, uh, arrested him, and he he resided in a Swiss dungeon for a period of a, of around 138 days. And there were no charges. They, did, they just the Swiss no police charges. came in and and basically kidnapped him and threw him in the in the dungeon. He was flat out kidnapped. I mean, there's no there's no explanation. There's no and he by the way he was an ambassador. Anybody could, can look it up and see that he was an ambassador because even the Supreme Court when he's had a number of. Uh, Appearances in the Supreme Court with the Supreme Court and other call him an ambassador and they put his ambassador number on. I mean, they, they had to because he's an ambassador. Right. But let me ask they you about, about they, that, if yeah, I could, Lon, yeah. just uh, because yeah. that has always um, interested me. I, I don't know that I've uh, actually heard how or why he was an ambassador. Uh, and it has to do with Somalia. He was the Somali well, ambassador to what country? Uh, to Switzerland and, and also to uh, and Canada, so he was he was working as an ambassador, so he could con- conduct some. And you remember that his background was law enforcement. Uh, besides being a, a whiz kid, you know, and with a lot of gifts of, of uh, mathematics and being able to memorize things, he was a actually worked for the Walker County uh, Sheriff's Department uh, in, and actually had a, a, a sheriff badge. So he was somebody that they trusted well uh, to work on some other things that could help our government, uh, especially the military and other other applications. And so he served as an ambassador, uh, for, you know, and he can tell you more about his work on Mogadishu and some of the things he was trying to do as that ambassador. But they stripped him of his uh, passports, and those were in his briefcase too, by the way. And right. so... He would have had so, diplomatic so, immunity. I mean, there's as an ambassador, you, you can't you can't arrest an ambassador. Right. It's, it's a totally uh, that's a, a major uh, a treasonous act. I mean, you can't do that. Well, while Switzerland apparently felt they could, or was compelled to do that, which which made me feel really sad about that because I you know I always I love the Swiss Swiss people, but I just can't believe that they allowed that to happen. 
And so here he is in a Swiss dungeon, a pre-Nazi era dungeon, in a dark room, no windows, and was there for 138 days, no communication whatsoever. They all, the only thing they did is that somebody walked in and told him, by the way, Fence Foster uh, is dead. So they wanted him to know that kind of just to make him feel bad. That's the only thing he really learned. The other thing is that they gave him some cheese, some special uh, cheese, but they didn't know that he was lactose intolerant. So instead of unwrapping that really nice wrapped cheese, he gave it to a, one of the prison officials who was there, and he was really happy to get it. And that night, that prison official passed away, died. Oh, my. Uh, of poison. Don, we, yeah. have to, we have to take a time out here. When we come back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out how um, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin comes to his rescue. And uh, from there, Lon is headed to New York. Uh, right. We'll pick up on this story on the other side. Lon Gibby from Gibby Media Group, the official spokesperson for Ambassador Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan's secret agent, the $33 trillion man. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Lon Gibby is with us, and uh, the official biography of Ambassador Lee Wanta is Wanta, Black Swan, White Hat, and the uh, documentary is Eagle One to Wanta. Uh, the website is eagleonetowanta.com. Just a reminder that Ambassador Wanta is standing by on the phone in a secret and secure location, and he will join us uh, in the second hour and uh, right now we continue to sort of lay the groundwork here for those not familiar with the backstory. Uh, Lon Gibby is with us from Gibby Media Group, and um, so he's languishing in the uh, the the basement of this Swiss prison uh, for a hundred and well whatever it is, one hundred and thirty-eight uh, days. days. One hundred and thirty-eight yeah. days. Uh, he survives a uh, an attempt on his life. They tried to poison him, and uh, and then all of a sudden he. Uh, he gets a letter from Yitzhak Rabin. What's that all about? Well, he had uh, uh, reached out to uh, Mr. Rabin because of their uh, knowing him well and uh, asked for help. He appealed to him. And so uh, Rabin actually uh, you know, sent a letter uh, and responded to Lee and uh, did approach the prison, and, and I'm not sure how he did it, but he was able to get Lee released and was helpful in that process. Lee can explain more about what happened during that, but there was a letter I have, there is a copy of one of the letters that came back from Rabin specifically, specifically to Lee, and it's on the website. And he got his 16, but, trilli- uh, 16 billion back in, in was no, it? No, no, well, his, no, he didn't get any money back. His briefcase was sent with him on uh, to New York City, and that's where they decided to have him uh, go first to report back in. So he was sent on a flight to New York City. When he got to New York City, uh, he was immediately escorted and picked up, and he didn't have his briefcase uh, on him at the time. But it was it was it was with him somewhere. Somebody was had it. That was escort. So he gets to New York and immediately uh, is taken to uh, New York City police and put in an area um, 
where he is, it's underground. It's it's a place where there's very you can't get communication. It's uh, cell phones don't work or anything. It's just a real back then they didn't have cell phones, but there's just no way to communicate with anybody. So in, in and other words, the moment he uh, lands in the United States, they slap the cuffs on him again. After yeah, he after he's yeah. released from Swiss uh, Swiss prison, he's arrested again by the New York City police. He's taken to uh, a, a station, and what he's he's charged yeah. with what? Nothing. That's the point. Uh, now I have uh, I've released these documents so that we have some of them on the website now. Uh, you saw them from the Newsline program that we did recently. That that uh, he was brought before a uh, two days later before a uh, district. Uh, magistrate, uh, U.S. magistrate judge, Judge Alan Ross, who is now a full, uh, uh district, uh, right. U.S. district court judge. This is a federal anyway, court, the Eastern District of New York, federal, federal court, right. And she's still there, by the way. So I tried to get these documents of all the things that transpired, and they were considered restricted, if you can imagine, no way to get them. But I was able to get the one that says uh, on the on the 19th of November of that year, I think it was 1992, he was brought before, and uh, anyway, his um, judge, Aylan Ross, completely dismissed him of any charges. The Wisconsin was standing by trying to get a hold of him because he was a resident of Wisconsin, or he, but he really wasn't. He was a resident of, of Vienna at the time. But Wisconsin was trying to make a case that they needed to have him ex- extradited back to Wisconsin because he, he hadn't paid some civil tax charges. And they had some other trumped-up charge on him that wasn't even made any sense at all, where they were trying to say that... He was part of a big crime. All right, this yeah. is a, this is a short segment. We're going into a break here, but let me just—I mean, this is astounding. So uh, he's thrown in a Swiss prison. He comes back. They they immediately arrest him and drag him into a federal court, charging him with uh, uh, tax evasion. Not the, not the, well, well, the Wisconsin was trying to make a case to get him right. Uh, extra, uh, the state, the, but the, but this U.S. judge completely dismissed this case and and let him go. Right. Okay. And, well, uh, he was free. He was free to go. All right. We'll take a, a quick time out and uh, come back on the other side. Uh, one more segment with uh, Lon Gibby flying solo, and then we'll bring in Ambassador Lee Wanter right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you. Draw your own conclusion. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Lon Gibby from Gibby Media Group. He is the official spokesperson for Ambassador Lee Wanta, the $33 trillion man, President Reagan's secret agent, the man who brought down the Soviet Union without firing a shot, uh, and is sitting on a, uh, uh, a vast fortune of $33 trillion, although it may be more. And... Um, so we were talking about. So he appears before this federal court in New York. Uh, the yep. judge, Judge and Ross, you, you, has uh, totally yep. dismissed the case. But before he left the court, and, and, and you can see that you can see the dismissal. I mean, it's on our website. Right. You can look and, it up. It's, and she refers right, to yeah. him as in the court documents. He's referred to as Ambassador uh, Lee Wanta. 
for those that have that tried to correct. for those that have tried to discredit uh, he, he's referred to as an ambassador uh you know and she also was asking lee and and we haven't got this document yet because that's been restricted but i will under the freedom of information act we will have this document shortly but basically she said to lee she said what's this what's this brief in your briefcase and which indicated that he they had his briefcase there's 16 billion dollars in, in uh, u.s treasury notes what's this all about and what? Why? What are you an ambassador? Why are you? Why are you an ambassador? She couldn't. She was flabbergasted. But uh, of course, when I called to ask about that case, uh, they did, the, the, her aide said she didn't know anything about it, couldn't remember, it, and asked and just encouraged me to try to get a hold of the court records, which I did. You know, and I found out it was dismissed. But anyway, that particular. Uh, so so, th- she just released him, but of course didn't give him his briefcase, and Lee just walked out the door. And when he walked out the door. Uh, there was a uh, the, the police department from the New York police arrested him immediately and said that he was on a warrant, you know, from the state of Wisconsin because he hadn't paid some taxes, or, and they were arresting him. And he resided in the New York underground in that police station that's underground that nobody can ever communicate to. I think that's where they took Epstein for a while. But anyway, he was uh, he's he was basically in, in down underground in the New York police station there for about 28 days and then sent back to Wisconsin uh, and where he stood charges and again you can read about the court proceedings at Kangaroo Court, Governor Tommy Thompson who was a Republican working under Bush they had this all planned out how they were going to get control of Lee and uh, get his money and so they of course his briefcase still, his private property still has not been delivered back to him now, let me just and, ask you, let me uh, back up for a second. Yeah, Why did yeah. Judge Ross dismiss? I guess she wasn't in on it. Uh, was she being directed by someone at the Justice Department to dismiss the charge or to release him? How did that happen and why? I think she just released him because it, I, my personal opinion after reading this information is that she she couldn't see any reason to, to retain this man. This was a person that was obviously doing some high-level work way beyond her knowledge. She was working under the president, uh, Reagan. He also was an ambassador. He also had treasury notes in his uh, under his name that no one else should be named. No one could cash those unless they, you know, were right. somehow through criminal enterprise figured out a way to do it. And before and before impossible. he left, yeah. I mean, when she asked him, "What's this? What? Why do you have sixteen billion dollars worth of treasury notes in your briefcase?" Someone else interrupted uh, because they didn't want that to go on the record, right? That's exactly right. They had there was a group there representing you know another part of our government that was there trying to make a case that 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 he shouldn't be allowed to um, be released that he should be retained for a much longer period of time. So when they released him, then they had to figure they had to, and he by the way there's no charges. He was he was dismissed and arrested from New York. New York's in trouble because New York City arrested him on no charges at all. Basically, he's a kidnapped, illegally kidnapped person. Right. And just to move things uh, along here, he ends yeah. up in Wisconsin under Governor Tommy Thompson, who is uh, a friend of President uh, George W. or George Herbert Walker Bush at the time. Uh, they're both, you know, t- trying to separate Lee from these trillions. So now they throw yeah, him. In the, they throw him in the clink on a trumped-up charge of tax evasion in Wisconsin, where he ends up serving what eleven years. Yeah, 11 years, and then he was on probation after that for a long time. And, and you know, his life, he's basically 
uh, he doesn't live a normal life. Even today, he's a, like a political prisoner. He can't, he can't, he doesn't have the freedoms. His human rights were stolen from him. All of his belongings, they destroyed his family. He lost his home. He lost, you know, his wife divorced him. His wife, you know, that's a whole other part of the story that's really sad. But, uh, he was a, he, and the only reason that he got out of prison at one point was because of Al Gore stepping up to the plate and, you know, making sure that he was safe and got, was able to get released. And this was in Wisconsin. That's another part of the story we can talk about later. But, uh, Anyway, all that that briefcase, by the way, Governor Evers has been advised. You know, we've sent that's letters the, to him. The, he never, re- pre- never responds. He's the present the governor. Current. Yeah, he's been advised that you know that that these charges were dismissed in in by Judge Judge Alan Ross, and that um, that the that the briefcase that he has with his personal belongings, including his treasury notes, need to be returned to him. Somebody's got those. They have not returned his personal property. And this, okay. now and we're, so, we're talking again, about that's a now. Small amount, that's a right. small amount of money compared to what they really stole from. We're going to talk about that later, and I'll at least explain what they, how they have been able to manipulate that other money. But that's just what he had in his possession in his briefcase. That's been, that's been stolen from him. And, uh, and he was kidnapped, uh, basically by the, and, and, and by the state of Wisconsin. So after he gets okay. after he's released finally from a Wisconsin prison after 11 years, he's on probation. Uh is he allowed to leave the United States? No. No, that's the other thing. You see, I mean he but, but you got to remember he there's the good news is that Lee has actually because of his work that he was doing under the Toten doctrine. Uh he, there's he, he there's uh, there's other People under his name that are are still working outside of the United States under his name, trying, trying name. to get that money yeah. back into the United yeah. States. Yeah, and there, you know, remember that President Reagan was the last duly elected president of the United States, and so Lee has not been fired; he still works for the president. Yeah, I, I, and, we'll get and, Lee on here to yeah. explain that because I've never quite um, understood that, uh, and I know Lee will explain it. But how we, you know, Reagan served eight years; the Constitution. You know, an amendment says you can only serve eight years. He served his eight years, um, but he believes, I guess, that the election George George Herbert Walker Bush stole the elect, or sorry, George W. Bush stole the election from Al Gore. George, I mean, H- well, H. W. First of all, wasn't um, qualified to run because he was, his family was not allowed to run. Oh, that's right, trading with the enemy act. That's yeah. right, Poppy Bush, um, or sorry, Prescott Bush was charged by the U.S. Congress with a trading with the enemy. That Those were the, the Nazis. Uh, he yeah. basically was stripped of his um, um, his, his money and, and, and so forth. And then, according to the, I guess it was a plea bargaining arrangement, the Bushes were forbidden from ever holding public office again. Correct. Therefore, George Herbert Walker Bush was not eligible to be president, so he's not a duly elected official. Uh, and then, I guess, and then, the- and then, in the 1992 election was an election that was uh, rigged. You know the way that was set up for the for the Clintons to get it, uh, Bill Clinton to win that election. You know, with Ross Perot, uh, you know, some of the vote was stripped off it. He was only elected with 41 percent of the vote. You know, and so uh, that election was a 
uh, a planned, rigged election. Okay. And then the election of Al Gore was stolen, flat out stolen, uh, away from Gore. Gore actually won that election. And uh, that election was stolen. Okay, so because okay. these presidents are all invalid, uh, according to Lee, then his Toten doctrine is still valid. In other words, he's still a secret agent. Oh, yeah, yeah. He still has a mandate, and he took an oath, and, and he has a mandate that he will not bend on that. And I've still trying to get the money over back. And over about this. Yeah. Okay, we're going to yeah, take a timeout. We're, we're at the top. He's not going to accept any bribes or anything like. He's already been bribed, and I'll tell you about that later. All right, we're at the top of the hour people. here. When we come back, yeah. Lon Gibby and I will be joined by Ambassador Lee Wanta, the thirty-three trillion dollar man, Ronald Reagan's secret agent, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.